You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMS Cast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name's Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest, Nafisa Shireen. Welcome to the show, Nafisa. Thank you, Chris. Nafisa is a success coach. She also has is the host of Living Forward TV, which is really cool. I've been checking that out. Um, and she's also gone through a journey just kind of developing her memberships and her programs and helping other entrepreneurs. We also have a shared history of coming out of or spending some time in Alaska, which I think is really interesting because I don't meet a lot of uh, or that as many people that kind of come from that kind of background and, and venture into entrepreneurship and tech and coaching and all this stuff. So I'd love to get into that a little bit. But first, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so awesome to be here. And yeah, I love it when I meet someone else that's been right in Alaska as well. I geek out on that. <laughs> and another thing we have in common, not only are you were you right in Alaska, but you also have a close connection to animals. Horses in your case, dogs yes. in my case. Listeners of the show probably know I used to do a lot with sled dogs and I, I just... Mm-hmm. I'm really into dogs. Um, and we'll come to the horses in a little bit, but sure. what what was your transition like from Alaska to what you do now? Because people often ask me that. As soon as I they hear like, oh, you were in Alaska and now you're doing this, how'd that happen? How'd that happen for you? Well, so I, I mean, I, the one thing we didn't, talk about before we when we're talking about Alaska is I actually never uh, stopped living in Vancouver so my job took me up there mm-hmm. and so the company had an apartment so I would I would go up there for like 10 to 20 days at a time and then come home okay. for five to ten and then and work here at, in Vancouver so I always said I had like it was the best job on the planet because I lived and worked in the two most beautiful places and I would always say like if, if God had a vacation home on earth, it was going to be up, um, up the Stewart highway, <laughs> right? Like it's just so beautiful. And so I loved working up there. Um, and the company I worked for was, it was awesome. They gave me a lot of opportunity and I was able to really get involved in a lot of the communities. And it just, it wasn't like your regular desk job. I was out in the field. I was out in the community. And, um, as a, as a woman in a man's industry, it was a mining industry. I was given a lot of responsibility. I loved it until I didn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, there were so many changes that happened at our company that I, my immediate supervisor was gone. The board of directors was completely changed. Like nothing was the same. And I still had employment, but my job had changed and I wasn't liking it. And so it's one thing, I think, to go to a job you don't like every day because you feel like you kind of have to. But I was leaving the country because I live in Canada yeah. to go up to Alaska. And it just came to one day where I just could not, like I was grieving what I had because that was completely gone. And I the culture had shifted. So it wasn't as much being out in the community and everything. And I just had enough one day. And I, I remember getting a, it was either, it would have been an email. Um, it was, that was still when I had a Blackberry <laughs> way back then. And uh, it sent me over the edge. I, I remember I was eating a donair in the kitchen and it flew across the, the kitchen. I just tossed it. My husband's like, I think you're done. I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and so I resigned and it was, it was really hard. It, it was the right thing to do. It was also hard because I really liked it up there, but it just, yeah. And then I, I resigned without actually knowing what I was going to do or where I was going to go. I just knew I had to be done. And so, yeah, then I had to go up, pack up my life 
and come back to Vancouver. So how did um, how did you go from there to helping entrepreneurs and de- developing your signature style and programs and, and philosophy? Well, it was a real journey because I think a lot of people that leave corporate, you kind of go through a bit of an exorcism. And I, I loved working in mining. So that was my identity up until that point, because it wasn't just a desk job. It was the community engagement, community involvement. And so I still kind of poked around looking for similar positions. And I ended up uh, working in Arizona for a year. And I also ended up working up in the Yukon for a year. So, I mean... It was a lot warmer in Arizona. <laughs> I just kept going. <laughs> but then you kept going. You said this northern Pretty place. Extreme. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I just wasn't happy, right? And my first part of my career, from like 1990 to I think 2005, I was working for smaller entrepreneurs, and I missed that. And the part about my career I actually loved the most was the coaching, was the developing team, was the community engagement, and um, you know helping people step into new possibility for themselves. Because when you're, especially in the mining world, you're working with the indigenous population, especially up in Alaska, and you're helping them to learn skills, you're helping them to be self-sufficient. And so there's a lot of coaching, and I just loved that part of helping people step into what they were doing. And I was working with a coach at the time. I, I was by having a coach that allowed me to really catapult my career. So when I left, she kind of, not that she ever said, Hey, you should do this. Cause she was never that kind of coach, but she asked me questions in a way that was like, what do you think about coaching people? I was like, me, <laughs> I'm an accountant. I don't coach people. <laughs> and so, um, but I didn't want to go back to that world. And so I decided to become an entrepreneur and, um, the the interesting part to this story is because at the time I was a certified uh, professional accountant and I was part of their code of, ca- code of conduct and code of ethics, they had rules for what their members could do. And so I wasn't allowed to open anything um, like a business coaching company. I couldn't help entrepreneurs. I could do life coaching or I could have an accounting company. And so it really limited me. So I started off doing health coaching. <laughs> that was my start, but I didn't like it. And um, I really missed the the development, the business piece, working with people. And then um, eventually had to resign from my accounting designation because I never really did accounting. I just had that as a certification to take me forward. I worked in, I worked in developing people. So it wasn't going to help me anyway if, if my business didn't work out. And so it was, it was a bit of a journey as I tried to figure out what my actual niche was, you know, all along, all the way, I know we're going to talk about it later. I had the horse piece that was there, but I never thought about bringing them to two together. So it was, it was a journey. So I started off as a health coach and then I tried to figure out like what my niche was. And, um, I made a couple really bad choices <laughs> of what I wanted to do. and I didn't have the clarity and it's just really more of an involvement. And I started to really get fascinated by, um, what actually motivates people because I found in my own journey. So when I was working in corporate, I had no problem negotiating a really high salary. I had no problem going to the board and asking for $40 million. I had no problem. I was the one they would send in to go deal with the underground miners and negotiate really tough eight figure contracts. I couldn't even ask for $25 for myself, right? When I started my business. And so I started to get really fascinated with, well, why could I, why was I succeeding really, really well in this environment, but not in my own? And as I got the coaching and worked through that, I became way more interested in, I mean, I, I think business is simple. Um, people aren't. And so that's where I started to get really interested in, in mindset and subconscious mind and where we stop ourselves and 
why don't we do it? Like it's really simple. Pick up the phone and call somebody and make an offer, but nobody wants to do it. So that's kind of how my programs developed. It was through my own journey and transformation where I had to see the things I had to learn. And I just got really fascinated with the human psyche <laughs> and business. I mean, I love making money. So that's the two just kind of went together. <laughs> well, you said, you said on your website, uh, when you're free on the inside, you'll create true freedom on the outside. Yes. Um, can you describe your niche now? Like knowing what, we just, what you just said and what I just read, like what is your niche in coaching? I specifically work with entrepreneurs that are around that six-figure mark or close poised to getting over it, you know, even if they're in their high five figures. But they've, they've had business, they've had success, but not enough to really create freedom. Like they've created a job for themselves. And um, they come from all different industries. Like I have ones that own clinics to interior designers to marketing companies, some coaches, you know, um, it's just, it's all over the place. But what they all have in common is the fact that they've had an amount of success, they've created a job for themselves, and they're just not free, like they're working around the clock. And so, and they know that um, it's not necessarily a formula that's going to get them to the next spot. Like they need the strategy for sure. And they need the mindset piece. And they kind of know that about themselves. They know they need, they need to grow now. They've done everything they can to have the foundation. Now they need to grow to get to the next level. So that would be the best way to describe the niche that I work in. I don't really work with beginner entrepreneurs because they need a lot more um, learning and step-by-step. And that's not interesting to me. It needs to be done. People need that. <laughs> but yeah. it's just, it doesn't it's excite me as much as the, um, the breakthrough piece. And, you know, I've seen entrepreneurs go from like um, low, like low six figures in sales to over the seven figure mark once they get this piece straight. So, so when I had a client just do that in December. So it's, it's just cool because she's just as good at, at what she was before. She's incredibly talented. She's a designer, but what's changed is how she thinks about herself, how she values herself, how she structured her business because of the internal shifts. And that's really cool to me. I have a question on that. I was reading one of your case studies and maybe mm -hmm. it's the person you're talking about who went from 50 K to multiple six figures. Like what, what is, what types of things are in the way? Same person, but what, what kind of blocks were removed and what kinds of things were added to you know, make progress there. So the, the, the common thread is what people think, right? Like we're always afraid of what people think. So that's why we don't pick up the phone and sell. That's why we don't prioritize ourselves. That's so it's fear of, uh, what is that fear of? Is it fear of um, like uh, not being able to deliver? Is it fear of success? Is it fear of failure? What is it? It's, it's fear of other people judging you, right? Okay, like if you're going to put a boundary up because you have to work that day, I mean, like a common thing, a lot of my clients actually work from home. So they're going to be the first people that somebody calls to carpool the kids to soccer because cool, you don't okay. have a job, right? Yeah. So, and then they feel really bad saying no, but they have a job, right? So it's, it's, it's that fear of judgment. And, and it's funny that the case study you're talking about from 50 grand to multi six figure traveling the world with her, <laughs> and I can say this because she's fine with it. For her, it was all about being right. It was good. She was going to be right. And that was holding her back until she realized, no, I need, I don't need to be right. I need to make the right things happen for me. And so, um, yeah, she's completely transformed her life right now. <laughs> it's incredible. And that wasn't an easy, it wasn't easy for her to let go of that. And did you say you had a coach yourself when you were working corporate that yes. kind of came with you through this transition? 
So yeah, I when I was in corporate, I was kind of stuck around um, high five figures. I think I was making like seventy or seventy five grand a year, and I was kind of in this middle management purgatory. Like you just. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. And I wanted to get to the next level. And so I did hire an executive coach. And through working with her, I learned, and this is really funny, because everything we worked on together, I had to unlearn as an entrepreneur, just saying, but in a corporate environment, you have very different survival skills. Okay. And I learned a different way of being of consensus building of showing up differently. Um, but I think the most important thing that I learned in all of that that did carry through to my entrepreneurial journey is it's all about how you show up, not how smart you are, not what your skills are. And so you have to show up differently as an entrepreneur than you show up in the corporate world. But that was the key learning. And so when I um, was working with her, I got promotions after promotion. I had a year where I came very close to making seven figures in corporate. And not a lot of people think you can make money in corporate, but you can. Um, and I learned that you know, it's up to me what I can create. So I did learn all those things. And then when I left the corporate world, she was really encouraging for me to, you know, really think about, did, did I really want to go back there? And so I stayed with her for about a year through the transition and she was amazing. And then that sort of came to a natural conclusion as I stepped up into entrepreneurship. Um, I actually, this was like 2012, I guess, that I last worked with her. But her and I actually touched base uh, a few months ago and had a conversation and it was just so cool to come full circle. Um, because she's she's gone through her own evolution as well, um, but yeah, I, I credit her with so much, and she made me fall in love with coaching. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I'm going to tee you up with a framework, <clears throat> and you can take it wherever you want to take it. It's um, so here we work with a lot of uh, course creators, people building training based membership sites, mm -hmm. coaching programs, yeah. private online communities. Um, different types of expert based businesses and, and things like that. Um, I say one of the top reason that people fail is what I call the five hats problem where you have to wear five hats at once. Mm -hmm. You have to be an expert. You have to be a teacher. You have to be a technologist. You have to be a community builder and you have to be an entrepreneur. That's a tall order for, you know, one human to pull off mm -hmm. and you've kind of come through that journey. Um, to building out your own programs. And when you said you had a coach kind of in the early days, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, there was some support there. She wasn't wearing all the hats. And, and I guess one of the, I, just to guide you a little bit, um, the expert hat, like if we're really going to step in and plant our flag, what gets in the way of people um, who, let's say they're already established in uh, you know, working for somebody else, like, you, like have a good career, they have expertise, What's in the way of them like taking that out and really s launching their own thing as an expert and uh, just doubling down on their own signature style? What's in the way? Um, well, I, I really believe it's, it's conditioning okay. and fear. When I first left that first job up in Alaska, my original supervisor who had left, who had been replaced as they changed everybody. Him and I actually started our own gold mining company. I, that, that's not in my story anymore. <laughs> it was a placer mining company. We, we had a, a placer mine up in, I don't know where. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I wasn't allowed to go there. He's like, you'll die. Right. <laughs> um, but he didn't have the it's not that he didn't have the drive. He was missing the direction from someone above him saying these, this is what's kind of expected of you. And so he was lost. He just did not know which way to go. Um, so it, that partnership didn't work out. 
Um, we're still friends today, but he just wasn't cut out for that. And I think when people do step out of that corporate role, you have spent so many years of your life, like especially if you're successful. And, yeah. uh, you know, I have videos on this on my YouTube channel. If you are successful in corporate, it's going to be really hard, no matter how good you are at business, to get past those habits that that made you successful there because they're going to hurt you. So fitting in, seeking consensus, waiting for guidance or corporate guidance or looking for something to help you, somebody to tell you what to do. Um, and I think that's where people really struggle to really step into their own because all of a sudden it's all on you and you, you get to decide. Like you're the boss of you, right? Um, and I think that's a big, it, people don't realize just actually as exciting as that is how big a hurdle that is to climb. I had an identity crisis when I did did the change as well because I'm like well so if I don't get the work done nobody knows my bank account's empty <laughs> right so it's just that it's just a whole identity switch very cool very cool we're going to get to the animals in a second but I wanted to ask you I'm going to put on my technology hat or my teacher hat and you one of the things I noticed in checking you out on YouTube and on your website is very high quality video production Mm-hmm. Everything I've heard about you so far, accounting, mining, coaching, I have never, I haven't heard anything about video production. How did that happen for you? So, um, <laughs> so I, I'm just, I'm just the talent. <laughs> I just show up, right? Um, I know nothing about technology or video production or artwork or anything. I have team. I'm yeah. very fortunate in the sense that my husband really geeks out on, like he could spend his whole days uh, or watching YouTube channels on lenses and lighting. And I just, I, I don't want to know. It's not his main job, but I met him when we originally, when I originally worked long ago in the nineties for an entrepreneur, it was in the pro pro audio industry. He still works in the, the audio video side of things and he sells equipment, but he's more interested in content creation. And so this is a passion of his where he wanted to start learning. So it's been great to be able to bring him into that part of it because um, you know, there's a difference between having a full setup versus just setting the, the iPhone to go live on Facebook, which I'll do. I'm not, I'm yeah. not too snooty for that, but it is cool to have him there. And I have, um, I have a creative and tech director who does all the artwork. And, um, you know, if, if somebody were to look at my videos and like the early ones, if their slides cut in, you can tell my husband did them. They're terrible. <laughs> but, but we just did it, right? You do what you have with what you have at the time. And now I have somebody else who does them. And then we're all always looking for better technology and to get them better. And I, I think a lot of people sometimes will stop themselves because they don't have everything they need in place. I didn't either. Like we just took it like my husband wasn't an expert he's and he's he's still not <laughs> if you hear me. but he's learning right and so we just yeah. have made the decision to work with what we have and to research and so don't let that stop you if you don't have the team just take the steps what about the website itself because you have like a, a great consistent brand and good photography and all that like is that also your husband or is that somebody, is that uh, well I actually stuff? hired I actually hired Born Creative I'm not sure if I'm sure Oh Jennifer Born's been on yeah. this podcast she's a good friend of mine Yeah um, so Jennifer Jennifer has been with me since day 1 I hired her before I had a business name I remember when she when I first talked to her and she asked what my CRM was I was like what does that mean I had no idea at all what Infusionsoft was or MailChimp I didn't know um, and so she helped me through a lot of that. And, you know, she had to work with me when I was so unclear and she still came up with a great uh, design concept. And so as I evolved, we've done some updates on the website. You know, they've been incredible. So she really has set the theme for my brand and the colors. 
And then my tech and creative director does a lot of the fill-in work, like the like all the images you see on there is, is what Rebecca, my own uh, person, has done. But Jennifer really set the the overall frame for that. And the photography, yes, that is my husband <laughs> took the pictures. Wow, that's that's awesome. A small world. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to hear Jennifer and I have a conversation around branding and design, just look for that on LMS Cast, and you'll find her. Um, and and I, all I want to say about that is, I. I couldn't afford to hire a professional at the time, but I couldn't afford not to. And, and that's one thing that I, I feel like do it right from the start. You'll well, I've also, it. I've worked with a lot of uh, course creators, coaches, entrepreneurs. And one mm-hmm. of the things with this whole five hats problem that you're surfacing right here is a common trend. I see the people that are doing well, they're not doing it completely by themselves, whether that's yeah. a partner or a friend who's helping out and bringing in these outside resources, even when it feels like a stretch. Um, it's it's just some um, it's just something I notice as a trend in people that are that are doing better. Well, and also too, it's important to get help on a personal level. I think as well. Um, you know, we I'm not shy about admitting I have house cleaners <laughs> come in yeah. once a week, or with uh, the horses and stuff. I have help. Like if if you're gonna, the, I have a philosophy that's like if you're gonna not work in your genius, you're not gonna be paid like a genius. Or if you're gonna be doing spend your time folding laundry or for me mucking stalls and I get paid like a house hand or a barn hand right so the help is in your business but also in in um, your personal life and I obviously you can't do it all at once but it's um, but it's about really getting clear on what you need in the moment so that you can make the money to get the next level of help you need wow that's awesome I, wa- I can't wait any longer we got to get into the horses okay um, <laughs> just for those of you listening I'm a dog person a dog is a prey uh, or a predator animal, predator, a horse yeah. is more of a um, prey animal. So the behaviors are completely, completely different, different, not not really related. What do we, What is your deal with horses? What's going on here? What do horses and entrepreneurs have to get that you do together? Perfect. So I will say that I'm a dog person too. I've, I've had okay. pugs for 20 some years, but, okay. <laughs> but they're kind of not really dogs. So I... So horses to me are, I mean, I always look at them as catalysts. They are they're amazing mirrors and reflections. I mean, you don't have to ride a horse to have a transformational experience with the horse. I mean, I ride, but I, I don't have to ride. Um, a horse doesn't care what you look like, um, how you are. They don't care if you're angry. They don't care if you're happy. What they care is that you're fully authentically yourself. They don't like emotional uh, incongruency. They will reflect back to you what you're projecting out. Mirror is not always pretty. Um, and they live very much in the present moment. And so horses really teach you a lot about your energy, like how you're showing up. They're excellent teachers at boundaries because you have a 1,200-pound animal. It doesn't matter if they're being really cute and cuddly. They don't understand that it's okay in this situation and not in this situation. So you have to have clear boundaries no matter what because it's a safety issue, right? And those are type of things where it's not necessarily easy if the horse is being really cute to just say, hey, get, get over there, right? But it's essential. And um, it's like just the other day, my horse was running around the arena and he was running away from my teacher that was here and he made a beeline to me at full speed. But because I've taught him boundaries, I just put my hands up and he stopped, right? So if I hadn't taught him that boundary, I could have been in a lot of trouble. So it's it, it really helps you in your in your life to kind of see how you're showing up or what energy you're projecting. Um, my pony is hilarious. Um, he doesn't care about anybody else's boundaries, but he's very clear on his own. He just, he, he, if he doesn't want to be touched, he's out of there. And 
he usually when he runs away, it's because something in you has shifted and he's scared. And you might not realize that, but he's he's a very good guide of of what that is. And so with horses, you really learn a lot about um, like who you are, how you show up, what your vulnerabilities are, and they're not judgmental. And you know, if if a horse won't follow you, you have to ask, how are you showing up? Why 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 aren't they following you? Because it's a very willing animal. Um, but it's usually because you're not sure of yourself in that moment. And these are the type of things that we don't realize how we're carrying on on a daily basis. We might think that we had a great sales call and not realize that we were showing up completely not our authentic self. And so you actually can learn that from a horse in a very kind way. And it's, I think it's really cool. <laughs> so what does that look like? Like if, um, you know, if I'm going to be a step into put my expert hat on and be like, I'm going to plant my flag and I'm going to, I'm going to coach people. I'm going to make courses. I'm going to build a tribe around this thing. Mm -hmm. How do I interact with the horse to test my congruency? Well, there's a lot of ways you can do that. So first of all, um, I'm always going to be paying attention to the horse's reaction. So if you're not emotionally congruent, you don't even have to say a word. Like I, I can watch that horse and tell right then if he hasn't blinked, if he hasn't looked and chewed, if he hasn't blown out, even if he's being polite and friendly, the horse is stressed out. And the only reason they're, the only reason they get stressed out is because they're, they don't trust what's going on. And, um, and I'll get back to an example in a second, but just to clarify on that is like, you could have um, a bear walking by a horse and he's fed and full and looking happy. The, ho- the horse is going to be in his own world, not caring. That bear could be really hungry and acting the same way. The horse is going to run for his life. The bear hasn't done anything different. He's, they have picked up energetically that emotional incongruence. And so us, we are the ultimate predator. So they can pick that up. So if you're having any doubts about your business or creating your course, or you're not feeling sure, and you're saying, yeah, this is what I want to do, you are going to be projecting an energy that's not congruent. And so first of all, the horse is not necessarily going to feel comfortable around you. Um, if that horse doesn't blow out around you or, or breathe, I know, and then we can start to coach through that. And when you, and, and I've seen it happen where somebody will say something and then we coach them through it. And then they admit, well, actually, this is kind of what I was thinking. You see the horse just, it's like, okay, we've got the truth. And it is, it, it blows me away every time. And it really fascinates people when they see that. There's other things we can do as well, where we, there's just a sample of some of the exercises where we can, um, have you see if you can lead the horse while you're talking about what it is you want to do. If the horse won't follow you, then it's you're not congruent because somewhere in your body you are showing up with um, like pulled back energy. And even somebody who's really experienced with horses, they might be able to fake that and lead the horse because they're getting confident and walking. But the minute they start talking and they start going into what they want for themselves, they're no longer an equestrian in that moment. They're an entrepreneur and a human being talking about their fears and their dreams and whatever. Their body is going to react to what they're saying from because your body's your subconscious mind and the horse, the horse isn't going to follow. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And there's just a lot of different things that we do just to see how the horse will respond and and sometimes just being around the horse like I have somebody coming up this week from Mexico to do a two-day private client retreat and one of our horses he's huge (laughs) he's so big he's I think he's almost 17 hands and he's a little bit gimpy at the back because he has a handicap and she's scared of horses and so all we're gonna do is have her go in there and just see if she can stand and be comfortable 
And we're going to talk about what things she's facing and fearing in her business, what her next step is, because it's going to feel just as big and scary. And so sometimes just that piece of empowerment, somebody can take what they got in that moment and take it to their life and make changes. It's incredible. I know it sounds woo-woo and airy-fairy, but it's not. You're talking to another animal person who okay. I, I, I totally get it. Um, but I have a question for you in your own like entrepreneur journey, mm-hmm. which is part of when we put our expert hat on is sometimes we're inventing something like the idea and like horse therapy has been around and used in different ways. Mm-hmm. How did you decide to combine equine therapy with entrepreneurs? Like what caused that? Or did it, was it an accidental discovery or like, how did that happen? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's the true confession. I mean, I love horses, but for the longest time I was even scared to handle my own horse by myself. Okay. Um, I shared him with somebody and he was a rescue. He'd been a trail horse and a lesson horse. And I was, I lived in Alaska. So I was the like part-time dad that paid the bills and just came down and saw him once every 10 days. Right. Yeah. I was just a rider, not a horseman. And then when I left my role in Alaska and I was here more, um, she ended up, my partner who I shared him with, she got her own horse. And suddenly I had this horse that actually was too much horse for my ability. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, I, I can't handle him. He's, he freaks out. He does things. He's hard to handle. Um, and I was considering getting another partner or giving him away or selling him. And then I thought, I can't do that. This poor horse has been like passed around and passed around. And so I started to look for another way and I studied natural horsemanship, fell in love with it. It changed everything. I was, I mean, nobody six years ago would have thought I would own a ranch and live with four and five horses at a time and manage them because I wouldn't even spend a minute with mine without an instructor there. And so through learning natural horsemanship, I started to develop a relationship, a different kind of relationship. I saw him transform when he finally had somebody that listened to him and trusted him. I saw myself transform. I saw how some of the challenges I was facing in my own life, um, I could face it with the horse and then I would transform that and that other challenge would transform. So I started to see that, but I never thought of bringing the two together. I didn't actually know about equine assisted coaching or therapy at all at the time because I had come from a world of like just traditional barn, like you get on the horse, you ride it uh, until I started studying the natural horsemanship. And then I read a book by Linda Kohenov and she's a, a pioneer in this work. And she was talking about this emotional incongruency piece. Now, I don't want to violate confidentiality because this is somebody that I know as a family friend, so it wasn't even a client. But what I will say is I went to the barn one day with this person who was going through a lot of uh, emotional troubles that nobody knew about because she was really good at hiding it and thought she was okay. And my horse wanted nothing to do with her. And I couldn't figure it out. I thought, he's just rude. He's being a jerk today, whatever. He's in a bad mood. But he wanted nothing to do with her. But her friend, he had no problem with. Anyways, um, about three or four weeks after that, there was some serious problem that happened with this girl. And we realized that, wow, she was not okay. Um, She's fine today, but it was really scary at that time. A couple of weeks later, I read this book by Linda Kohenov where she talked about this emotional incongruency. And I just had one of those, oh my God, like my goosebumps, my blood went cold. He was telling me she was not okay. That's why he wanted nothing to do with her. And then I started to study this equine assisted piece. Still didn't believe I could do it, right? And then, um, because I always had like, there was my business and there was my passion, like two separate things, right? 
but they're I started not supposed to, to mix, right? No, of course not, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I started to dream about owning a property in a ranch, but it was still going to be so I could ride horses and train horses and whatever. But how was I going to fund this and have a business? And I hired a very, 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 very expensive mentor. And our first VIP day, he just said to me, well, do you want to be a coach or do you want to be a horse person? And I got so mad at him because I was like, why do I have to choose? He goes, I don't know. I didn't ask that. I just asked what you want. And then that's when I realized, what if I brought it together? Like, I'm a great coach. I love horses. Other people do this. Why have I not seen this right in front of me? And so it's been a two-year process to bring this really to fruition because I didn't have a place to do it. I was boarding. Um, I needed to study a lot more. Um, I had to get more horses. <laughs> and so now that we have the, the place, we have the ranch, we, we're, we're doing it. It's incredible. So it was not like an overnight thing. And you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes have exactly what they're meant to do right in front of them, and they don't see it because it's that personal to them. And when you actually look at it, it's like, wow, you can bring together what you love to do with, with your other personal passions. You just got to be smart and business savvy about it. That's awesome. I feel like I'm being coached right now. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the question about your programs, um, you have these different uh, levels of support. Mm-hmm. You have the breakthrough, you have mm-hmm. the momentum, which is like a, a virtual session and then 30 day deal. And then yeah. you have a four month thing, then you have a year long thing, mm-hmm. and then you've got your equine alchemy. How I haven't you, had time to do a sales page for that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it just says coming soon. <laughs> like how, um, as a coach and somebody who's really committed to bringing out these transformations and results in people, knowing that your target market, um, they're not all at the same place or have the same investment ability and stuff like that. How did you end up deciding on the, this spread of programs here? So that was also a journey um, okay. because you'll probably notice I, there are different timeframes of, of the programs, but I actually mm-hmm. don't have any entry-level coaching programs. Mm-hmm. And that was a decision I made to terminate them last year because I, I didn't want to work with somebody who just had their toe in the door. Yeah. Um, and at that level, they probably needed more training than coaching. So it just didn't work for me. So could you, what could I've, you park a lot on that for a second? Just what do you mean by, um, like sometimes we will hear stuff in the expert industry, like, Oh, the beginner's market is huge. Like, but like, I, I totally get what you're saying. Like somebody who's just kind of getting started is not in your target market. But if they're like, they need training, not coaching. Like, what do you mean by that? Can you like, unpack they, that? They do need both. Like I, I yeah. believe everybody needs coaching, Yeah. but for the level that if somebody just wants to have a, for the level of investment that they're able to make, and yeah. I don't believe anybody can afford or not afford. I think we all have the ability to create the money, but it comes down to, do we have the mental ability to believe we can go create it? Yeah. And so sometimes people will invest in themselves at a much smaller level because they don't have that faith in themselves yet. And so they don't have the faith in themselves because they haven't necessarily learned the basics of running a business or they're not fully in, like they're not, they're not in a hundred percent. So they're just trying to dip their toe in the water without fully going in because to fully go in means you, you go in not just with your coaching, but with everything, with the sales calls, with the technology, with working, with getting your campaign done. Right. And so I found for me, for people that were not quite a hundred percent in, um, 
and and they want a lot of support for a very small investment. And for me, I, I don't have a team of sub coaches. I have a lot of other coaches, but yeah. I, as far as the coaching, there was only me. So I was feeling like they're not getting the level of, and I'm not criticizing them in any way. Like they need more support. And that's why people have sub coaches so that they can work with their higher end clients and still show up and provide content. And I, I don't, train on a lot of content. I have basic things. Um, I don't like necessarily creating, creating training content. So that's just my personal passion. And I'm like, I'm not supporting these people properly. So I just decided to stop doing that. It just felt like, like the right thing to do because just, they, they, like if I, if I had other sub coaches, it might've been a different story that they could have had that, but I couldn't uh, properly serve them. So I I stopped doing that. That's excellent. Well, back to what you were saying, like the different (laughs) 30, 30 days, four months, year, and then like, how did you decide to kind of fraction these off into different offers? Well, so with the 30-day program, like sometimes people just need help with one thing, like they're working with another mentor or they are just thinking they want to work through one thing or they have, because I do a lot of belief change work um, at the subconscious level. So sometimes they just need a hand to get going or they want to do a quick strategy and they don't want to go into your long program. So I give them the opportunity to basically have a half day virtual VIP day with me, but then I give them 30 days of support with that. And I also, Is that, uh, I'm just curious how the structure works, the virtual support. What does that mean? So they get another call with me. They have email access throughout the month, like to follow up on. Um, they're invited to join my mastermind with my high level clients during that time. Um, I have, I run what I call group activities for all of my clients. It's optional or not if they want to come. So I might have a book club or I might do a virtual workshop. If they're in that 30 days, they're invited to come to it. So whatever we have going on, they get access to during that month. And the main event is a half day, like laser focused session. Virtual session. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. What about the next one? The four month? How does that the four work? month? That one is really for people that are just, um, you know, they have a specific thing they want to do, like they want to revamp all their programs or they just, it's a very outcome oriented thing. So whatever their outcome is, they want to do, they want to revamp their programs or they want to restructure their business or their, or it might be somebody who's getting started and is, is willing to invest in the coaching to get started. And they need a lot of close, you know, hands-on stuff over a four month period. Um, but they're really not necessarily looking into the complete immersion. So it's, I would say it's more, that one's more consultative. I, okay. I would find. Yeah. And they don't, they can, while they're invited to participate in the group activities, they don't participate in the mastermind or the retreats or any of the stuff that go to my highest level clients. Awesome. And then the year long. That's my most popular program and that's okay. a complete immersion. So those clients come in, they have a couple of full VIP days with me a year. We have three um, retreats where all of my year long clients come to. We're doing one in Toronto in a couple of weeks. We're doing one here at the ranch in the summer with the horses. We're doing another one on a island. Well, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Gulf Islands, but we're doing one on one of the Gulf Islands um, in, in the fall. So this way they get the mastermind and the training with people who are playing at the same level they're playing at, right? Um, one of the things I like to say with with my clients and with because it is private coaching with a community aspect to it, um, it's not like a regular group program. They are not going to be the smartest one in the room. They might be as far as their expertise goes, but the entrepreneurs are going to be playing at that same level as them. And so the conversations are pretty cool <laughs> at times to, to hear where they, they go with that. And so it's a complete immersion. Um, and it's a, it's a year with me. That is amazing. Um, 
You mentioned beliefs, working on beliefs and subconscious mm-hmm. beliefs. What what's going on with money? With money? Like and how people relate to money. Is that part of it? Oh, completely. But you know what I find like fascinating and I I um I don't know how to put this. Like people will talk about their money mindset or their money blocks. Yeah. And my personal opinion, this is just my opinion, is there's no such thing as a money mindset or a, a money block. It's a, that's a marketing term. Okay. Like you're blocked or you have issues with your beliefs and it's okay. affecting everything. Money's just speaking the loudest. So interesting. If like it's have, also probably f- affecting like your relationship or your health. They're, they're all different diagnostic points, right? Yes. Money's a result, not a cause. Interesting. And so, but a lot of people think it's a cause. So I, I've, like, and I know for me personally, like when I work on what's really beneath the surface, it's not just the money that improves. So, um, yeah, I, like I don't, I, I have used those terms because they're marketing terms. People understand them. But when I actually work with people, we go to like, like what's really deep. And sometimes I'll say, what does this have to do with my business? It's like everything. <laughs> <laughs> what everything. else? What, what else is down there in the depths besides um, fear of being judged? What else is down in there? Well, everybody, I mean, I, I would say it comes down to their three basic core needs, like love, security, and self-esteem. Okay. So there's going to be a fear of losing love. There's going to be a fear of losing everything. There's going to be a fear of being judged as not worthy, like the judgment. So in one form or another, those, fe- those fears and wounds are there where people don't think they're good enough, smart enough, you know, the Stuart Smalley thing, right? Like, you know, good enough, smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Yeah. On some level, we all don't believe that, right? And so um, it's, those are the things that could show up in one form or another. Like I've had a client, um, like for her, I mean, her core wound or core fear, so much has to do with the unlovable piece. And I've seen her actually um, literally leak money out of her company because of a conversation she doesn't want to have because she's so worried that somebody's going to be mad at her or not love her or she's going to lose a friendship. And that's one of the things we've had to work on to help her tighten up those boundaries emotionally so she could tighten up and make more money. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you, and it may be way too big of a question for the tail end of a podcast episode, but (laughs) Let's say we bring it out of the subconscious and we identify those fears around love or um, security or self-esteem mm-hmm. or we get past denial that like, oh, I actually am this way or whatever it is. We're, we see it and we acknowledge it. How do we get past it? Or how do we transcend? journey? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't just happen overnight. So, yeah. um, you know, there, there's different types of transformations we can do. Like we can work in the energetic realm and shift energy in the body. We can do what, what are also known as balances. And so that's where you work on your goal, but you also bring your body into the process by getting into what's called a whole brain position so that your right and left hemisphere actually talk to each other. So you'll see like where people have you like cross your hands or cross your legs over just to get your body involved in it. Um, there's a lot that you can be done. And you also have to identify things like um, secondary benefits to not achieving your goal. So Um, what do you get by not achieving it? That's more important to you than what you get by achieving it. Hold on. Let me, let me make sure I got that one. So you're saying that we sabotage ourselves because we're focusing on a benefit of like not doing the thing or whatever. We're not even necessarily consciously focused on it. That's the thing, right? Okay. (laughs) But it could be, I mean, like in, in the simplest form, right? Like, like the simplest one I can think of is we're not, um, 
we're not putting our goals in place because we really don't want to get up at 630. We, we, if we don't do this, we don't have to get up till eight o'clock. Like that's a really simple thing, yeah. but you can't look at it as simple or silly because it actually can stop people in their tracks if they're not aware of it. And when they become aware of it, it's like, oh my goodness, has that actually been stopping me? <laughs> Interesting. And, it has. and then we, and then we work on that. Right. And when they have awareness of it, they can make different choices. Love it. Thanks for the example. Um, if we're, if we're looking at, uh, living forward TV, why did you create it? What can somebody, where does somebody find out about it? Watch it. Like what can they expect if they dig in? Well, I created it because I just thought, let's try this <laughs> if yeah. you want to know the truth. <laughs> um, and then it's been a, an ongoing journey to develop the channel and work with coaches in that field to, to develop it. But the whole point of the, the, the channel is to give people simple solutions, mindset hacks and tips on how to grow their, their mindset and grow their income. Um, it's just, Things, and things that I've had to deal with in my business, right? Like, how do you handle refunds? How do you handle clients that don't pay? Um, how do you make more money? Where do you find clients? How do you, like, what are the behind the scenes things that um, you use? So it's just an all around thing about moving, moving, moving forward and, and creating the life you want. That is awesome. You can find that at nafisashireen.com. What, uh, where should the listener go to find out more? What do you want them to do? Or what, well, they can what, absolutely go to my website, nafisashireen.com. Yeah. But if you yeah. want to check me out, go to my YouTube channel as well, which is just Nafisa Shireen. You can, you can find me on there. And uh, all my videos are there as well. And we have, um, for almost every video that we have, we usually have uh, something that they can download to support the, the learning in the video as well. And if you were to describe the ideal person that you serve, like who, who is that person? What are they going through that you can best help? Right now, they are somebody who is like, I just cannot break this. I'm stuck. I can't break this level of income. I'm smart. I know business. Why isn't it happening for me? Awesome. person I'd love to help. Nafisa, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a value-packed episode. It was really fun to talk about a lot of my favorite things, entrepreneurship, Alaska, helping other entrepreneurs. You out there listening, go to nafisashireen.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I had a blast being here. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.